1: This is the AC Report. in from out of state and the da can't get no relief gonna be a rumble on a promenade and the gambling commissioner's is hanging on by the skin of his teeth everything dies baby that's a fact but maybe everything that dies someday he comes back put your Fish your hair up. Time for our weekly look at Monopoly City, one of the most interesting communities in all the world, Atlantic City. And this week, there happened to be a a lot of headlines and a lot of stories about some numbers that we're seeing out of Atlantic City and New Jersey in general. New Jersey gambling revenue up 6.7% in July, but five Atlantic City casinos still lag. There is no one that I'd rather break these numbers down with than David Danzis. It's been far too long since he dealt with insomnia to uh, to join us on the radio he is a writer and analyst for play and com. he was a form formerly a reporter uh covering all sorts of things for the press of atlantic city and these days his bio also lists him as the managing editor of play california david it's great to talk with you how have you been
2: i've been very well frank it's so good to hear your voice man even if it is three thirty in the morning how you doing my friend
1: I, i'm great say what is this uh play california thing uh, you're an east coast guy you can't be managing editor of a california gambling publication
2: listen what can i say man i took myself my talents to the west coast um uh, <laughs> now look we're we're really looking forward uh or anticipating the launch of legalized sports gambling in california so uh they, they shifted my focus a little bit off of a city that's pretty well established to a place that's not quite there yet. So uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed that California is the next state on the list.
1: Uh, well, uh, best of luck to you. What is happening gambling there in California, gambling-wise, right now? They, the... have
2: a, they actually have two uh, ballot referendums in November to legalize sports gambling. Uh, one is a retail-only option at the tribal casinos and a handful of racetracks out there. And the other would, would legalize online and mobile sports gambling. So, uh, it's up to the voters of California, and we'll see what happens.
1: Uh, Obie Murray is here, and uh, he uh, may have a few questions for you about uh, some of those West Coast initiatives. But what um, do these latest Atlantic City numbers suggest about how things are going this year? A lot of times we've had you on this program, and the rest of the press paints a ro- very rosy picture about this or that. And then you kind of dig in between the details of these numbers, and you have uh, a little bit of a different.
2: What are the numbers saying? What does it mean? The numbers tell me a a lot of, you know, what we've been saying since we emerged out of this, uh, if you will, post-COVID period of of Atlantic City gaming. And and we look at it sort of as the time frame of about July 2020 until now. Um, And and really what it tells me is, um, you know, I hate to be uh, the guy who beats the drum over and over again, but the city has not fully recovered and And part of that um, has to do with the fact that we're just not seeing growth, right? Every, everyone looks at these numbers and and they sort of see them in a vacuum. and and I even you know even you when you when you let in, you know gross gambling revenue is up six point eight percent. And that's fantastic. Um, for the market as a whole, unfortunately, when you dig into that, really what we're saying is there's a there's a handful of casinos in Atlantic City that are doing really, really well. Uh, Online gambling, as we know, uh, was accelerated by COVID and is continuing to do well. And sports gambling is an added amenity uh, to New Jersey gaming. But the truth of the matter is you're really only talking about three or four players in Atlantic City who are really positioning themselves well, and the others are still struggling to find a foothold that they had before COVID or that they were just starting to get before COVID. So, um, you know, not that the numbers are bad, but we're just not seeing growth, and I think that's the thing that people are missing out on when they look at Atlantic City and they think things are good. They're good. They're not bad, but they're certainly not great. Hey,
0: it's Obi Murray. How are you? Good to, good to catch up. I'm doing, doing well. Um, ahead, I, I worked there years ago. and know if you caught Frank talking about it a few minutes ago, but mm-hmm. um actually didn't actually work there. I developed there with Steve and lived down there for the year and a half that I was there with him, but uh, Steve went. But the the thing we always looked at there was the incentives they gave the patrons to come all the time the players and what they were doing with buses and so forth, not the ones the host did for the high rollers per se, but what was it, what was, how were the visitors getting there? How many were coming and what was it costing to get them there? Is that still a metrics that you guys consider yourselves with? You talk about growth and what's going on, especially July was always the big month.
2: Yeah, it's the, the mentality within the city has changed a lot. Certainly, Um, you know, for a city that has always sort of prided itself on being a regional destination, relying on things like bus traffic and the the average commuter within about three to five hours of Atlantic City was always sort of their bread and butter. Things have changed so much since then, right? I mean, the the bus traffic is essentially non-existent in the city anymore. Uh, there's so many more gambling options for people within that time frame, right? Whether you're north and you're in Boston, or or even just north of the city, and you've got places to go in the Indian casinos in New York State, or if you go south towards DC and they have casinos in, in Maryland now. So, Gaylord, yeah. Um the the truth of the matter is they they really don't look at um the the actual visitor volume so much anymore. I know that sort of sounds counterintuitive. Um but that's not really what they're looking at anymore. For as long as I've been covering Atlantic City, um the one thing that I've always been told to look at is less the revenue and profit and more how much people are gambling. Mm-hmm. And this is really where I always sort of draw my my ultimate conclusions from is I look at two metrics. I look at coin in, which is the amount of money gambled in the slots. And I look at table game drop, which is how much is gambled at at the tables. And, you know, those metrics have been down since we emerged from COVID. They have not recovered no matter where you look. And that's really concerning to a lot of the casino executives, because that tells them that while, yes, the revenues might be comparable, people are gambling less or not spending as much when they're there. And, and that doesn't bode well for long-term sustainability and or growth.
0: You're saying spending so it, not just at the tables and so forth, in the casino. You correct. talk about you talk about F&B and other shopping and so forth?
2: Yep, across the board. Um, spending is just down. Yeah. And and that's a real problem for Atlantic City because that suggests people are finding other alternatives, whether it be for gambling or for their, their mm-hmm. entertainment
0: at large. When they were doing the retail out there over the years, this goes back to the geez, late 90s. They were trying to compare it to the the, uh, forum shops out in Las Vegas, which was the number one sales per square foot retail in the entire country because it was anchored by Caesars and Mirage, and the visitors would be there for two and a half days a week. And then so you do the multiples of that um, throughout to fill up 3,000 hotel rooms, two and a half days a week and so forth. Atlantic City was never going to get that critical mass, and then the rooms there were always going to be the big thing about how many more rooms can we add? How do we get people to stay so that they would be here for the two days instead of just the one day down? And that number hasn't really changed even with all the the casinos opening and closing. You're still getting one-day visitors then, huh?
2: Yeah. The 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 problem that Atlantic City has had for some time and they've just not been able to figure out how to really solve it is getting that midweek visitor to, to like you said, stay for more than one day, but also to have them come mm. more than once a year, right? And, and that's always sort of been the challenge for Atlantic City is – How do you convince someone to come to Atlantic City in February, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) President's Weekend, that's it. Yeah, it's easy to get someone to come to the beach in July, right? I mean, anybody could do that. The the real challenge is getting someone to come here when there's no reason to be here other than the casinos or a restaurant week or what have you. Um, And, and, you know, as you just mentioned, whether it be, you know, the Tanger Outlets or what they tried to do at the pier just off of Caesars Atlantic City, Having non-gaming options has just been a real struggle here in Atlantic City.
0: Remember, in Vegas, of- it used to be – uh, it was about 80-20. 80% was, was uh, casino revenue and 20% was non-casino revenue at each of the properties. Yep. And That's Mirage – Well, Mirage was the <laughs> – Steve was the first one to change it at Mirage when he broke it to 50-50, and then it went the other way. And that was all the entertainment and the shows, and it gave everyone a reason to stay there. The challenge was always getting the critical mass in Atlantic City to, to replicate that. To get people to stay for the, di- the magnificent restaurants, but then after dinner or before dinner, seeing a show and dropping money, and then going to the casino and being in a great mood when you walk out of that show after your ninety minutes. Mm. Um, you know, and, and your point to the revenue there, Frank, is. What is the future of Atlantic City then? Is it going to be more, uh, no. more properties,
1: fewer properties that do more business? Well, it's a it's a good question, and let's find out which properties are doing the uh, business that we're talking about. If people just tune in, we're with David Danzis. He's a writer and a reporter for uh, PlayNJ.com. These days he's also the managing editor of uh, Play California. David, uh, you talked about how the gambling scene and the revenue growth in Atlantic City is primarily being driven by two or three properties. What are those properties? What are the properties that are doing? Doing really well right now in Atlantic City, and what are the ones that are struggling?
2: Yeah, I, I mean the two properties that jump out that are doing the best are what we still refer to as the two newest properties here in town. Although you know that's semantics, uh, but that's Hard Rock and Ocean Casino Resort. Um, those two properties have really, really figured out how to draw people to Atlantic City, whether it be Hard Rock with their entertainment offerings or Ocean, which I, I mean is just you know arguably the most beautiful property in Atlantic City. And, and their endless list of amenities, you know, they they've figured out how to get people here for more than just gambling. Surprisingly, the other properties that are that are doing well this year and, and are finding ways to grow are the two smaller properties, uh, Resorts and Golden Nugget. And that can be attributed to a couple of things, um, one of which is just sort of a larger. They're able to do more with less right so staffing shortages aren't affecting golden nugget and resorts nearly as much as they affect a larger property like borgata um, but also people are looking more for that value maybe a little more of that intimate feel that boutique casino feel and resorts in golden nugget hit that you know rather right out of the park so those four properties have found their niche right they they found their way to be successful and to appeal to 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 the mass public the others are are i, I hate to use the word struggling because it's not fair they're all in different different situations, but they just have yet, they have not yet been able to find that way to rebound post COVID and get people to come back to the property as if everything was but the, normal. The golden just nugget just
0: got new management, right? New company come in and think, took it over. Wasn't was nugget.
2: Uh, it's a little more complicated than that. Okay. Um,
0: their,
2: their online entity was bought out by DraftKings. Okay. Um, so their, their brick and mortar property is still owned by uh, Tillman Fertitta and Landry. Entertainment. So
0: uh, that hasn't
1: changed. Okay. Uh, As far as you're seeing, uh, Dave, hey, one of the big pieces of news in the casino business was the fact that uh, Joe Lupo, who is a product of New Jersey and has been in and around the Atlantic City scene for a long time, was really celebrated as the president of uh, the Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City. He is leaving New Jersey and they're sending him to run a new Hard Rock property what's Joe Lupo's legacy in Atlantic city? I guess he's been there four and a half years now. Um, Very few people, even at competing properties have a bad word to say about his, about this guy. Did he actually do some good things in Atlantic city? What did he do right that everybody else seemed to be doing wrong?
2: Yeah. uh, I'm not going to be the one to say anything bad about Joe. Joe's a a good friend of mine and and has been a valuable resource for as long as my time uh, covering the city. The thing that Joe uh, I, I think did better than a lot of the other executives in Atlantic city is he understood that while Atlantic city's history is very, very important. The, the future of the city is not tied to its history, right? There's, there's a lot of people here and, and Frank, I'll use you as an example, mm-hmm. right? Cause I think you're, you're actually one of these folks that you, you, you love the nostalgia of sure. Atlantic city, right? Sure. And a lot of people do. The problem is Atlantic city is never going to be what it was. Right, and 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 Joe really understood this. Whether it was his time at Borgata or or his time at, at Hard Rock, he understood that Atlantic City is moving in a different direction. And for better or worse, a lot of the people that are running casinos here in the city or that are in top ranking positions have been here for a very long time, and they still have the same mentality that they had in the late '80s and the early '90s. You know, whether it's uh, a misguided belief that the good times are never going to end, or you know that. Uh, Things that used to work in the past will still work today. Joe was never beholden to any of that. Joe was very uh, much a realist. He was very much an opportunist. And he was also um, an eternal optimist. I mean, I never heard Joe be negative about Atlantic City. He always had a way to put a positive spin on it.
0: Arthur Goldberg used to have a term for for the leadership that would be around for a long period of time. He said that this industry had a lot of retreads. And yeah. for, for me, I was about 30 years old traveling around the country with him at that point. And we'd go around, and he'd get rid of leadership and put new people in. And he'd always look for new people that could come up from somewhere from a different property and move them around. And I think that's if you have the old, old vision, you, you miss the future. And, and Hard Rock has always had a different vision for the for the it, for the event of going to the casinos. I remember being out in Las Vegas where we couldn't you can't gamble your own properties. And if you could, you really shouldn't anyway. Um, and you go to the craps table at the Hard Rock, and nobody knew how to play. But they had a blast. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was young. It was energetic. It was excitement. And that's what they were selling. And that, that's, their, that's their mission. I think if you look at what Resorts is right now, that's part of Mohegan Sun, right? It's mm-hmm. part, part of the whole sun management. And the management moves back and forth. I was at the Sun a couple weeks ago, and it was phenomenal and what they do there.
1: David, if um, before we let you go, uh, give us an update on what's happening with the battle over smoking in casinos. It Oof. seemed like um, with um, Steve Sweeney. Being defeated for reelection, a lot of folks realized that this might, have been, might be the opportunity to permanently end smoking in casinos now I 'm sort of of two minds in that I feel bad that these dealers have to inhale cigarette and, and tobacco smoke all day long just for doing their jobs. But as a cigar smoker, I really like to go to a bar in a casino and and be able to smoke a cigar. as you know what 's happening what 's the latest?
2: Yeah, I, as we sit here right now, nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. And and that's really surprising to me. Um I'll admit, Frank, I mean you've you've heard me say this a couple times on your show. I mean, I fully expect the smoking ban to be enacted in Atlantic City. Um from everything I'm hearing, it's it's a priority when the state legislature returns from its summer vacation uh next month. But there's there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of uh political will to move it. Now, over half of the state legislature has signed on as a sponsor to this bill, right? So it doesn't make any sense why it's not moving through committees um, because I'll be honest, a lot of people want to say, oh, the casino lobby and, and all this power, they they don't have that much power in Trent, let's be honest. They um, they They are a big player, but they don't have a lot of influence. And to suggest that, you know, Seven uh, lobbyists are responsible for, for stopping a state of 9 million people from enacting a smoking ban is ludicrous. Mm. Um, but it's not moving. Um, I still have my money on the fact that something is going to change before the end of the year, and I wouldn't be surprised if January 2023 um, Atlantic City casinos are 100% smoke-free.
0: But if they go smoke-free, what's that revenue going to do? Is it going to go somewhere else they can smoke? Yeah, Um So it really
2: depends on who you ask. And and I'll be honest, the longer that I look at this, the more my opinion is personally being swayed. Um, I started off on this side as somebody who worked in the hospitality industry for years in New Jersey and saw firsthand what happened when the smoking ban happened for restaurants and bars. The volumes of those restaurants and bars didn't change. My take-home pay as an employee absolutely changed. And I always thought that that was what would happen here at casinos. But – The more that we see other states open up gaming and and open casinos that don't have smoking, we realize that there's not a direct correlation between being a smoking or a non-smoking property and your revenue. So if if all nine Atlantic City casinos are forced to go non-smoking, I don't think we're going to see a huge change. Um, You might see an immediate change because people are sort of put off by by any sort of change. But over the long term, I think things will even out. And, you know, a year from now, it'll be a non-story.
1: David Danzis, we're going to have to uh, leave it there. If people want to see things that are other than non-stories, they should go to PlayNJ.com or play <laughs> California. Man. David, uh, hopefully I'll see you on my next trip out there. and we're going to be, I'm going to be out there uh, Labor Day weekend, so if you're in town, maybe we can get together for a uh, casino cigar while that's still a legal thing to do.
2: Fantastic, fantastic. Good talking to you guys. Thanks so great, much. Great having you.
1: Thank, Thank you, David. David Danzis. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping.